Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Early Career Moves podcast, episode 63. Today, I'm tackling the first part of the informational chat. And this is a really important tool that you have to use during your job search process. So on this episode, I'll talk about what is the informational chat? What are the purposes of doing an informational chat? There are actually three different purposes to doing one. I'll talk about what you get out of conducting them, why you should conduct them. I'll talk about who do you target, like what kind of people should you be targeting to actually have informational chats with. I'll talk about how to actually start doing them, how to start reaching out to people. I'll talk to you about exactly what you should write when you reach out to them, when you ask them for an informational chat. And then I'll talk a little bit about what to expect and how to prepare for that. In the next episode for next week, I'll talk about how to actually prepare for an informational chat and how to conduct an informational chat in a way that will set you up for success and make it more likely for you to actually build a meaningful relationship with that person. So definitely want to listen to this first and then next week come back for actually how to do it once someone says yes that they want to talk to you. Great. So what are the three different purposes or reasons why you would be having an informational chat? So the first one is career exploration related. You're still trying to figure out what you want to do next. There's a lot that you still don't know and you haven't yet finalized your target role function or industry. This is a relatively low stakes conversation with someone because you're really just seeking to learn and understand what is it that they do? Maybe what is their day-to-day life? What are the challenges? And so a lot of this conversation is around you asking questions about their actual job and what it looks like. Of course, you're still making an impression and you want to create a positive impression with that person and you want to build a relationship that can maybe potentially help you in the future, but you're not necessarily ready to jump into an application process. And you'll be surprised. Sometimes you're on an informational chat and it's a career exploration chat. Maybe you're trying to learn what is it that a project manager in tech does, right? Like that's your purpose. You're just trying to learn what is it that someone does in that kind of job. But then they might say, Hey, actually, we actually have an opening. Are you interested in me sending you over that information? So you do always have to be ready that opportunities might pop up in times that you aren't ready for them or don't expect them. And so you do want to make it really clear with someone where you are in the process, because I do think that helps from the other end. If you're someone who is being interviewed, right? Like you want to know where is this person in their process? Are they ready to apply today or are they really just exploring? So I think if you are doing a career exploration, informational chat, it'd be great for you to actually just mention that from the get-go. And it actually lowers some of the pressure that the other person might feel because they might feel like, oh, maybe this person is is wanting me to help them get a job where I work. And so it does lower, lower the pressure a little bit. 
So that's the first reason why you would do an informational chat. I ask my clients to start doing career exploration chats very early in the process because it does help clarify a lot of misconceptions or assumptions that they have about certain career paths. And it helps them get closer to figuring out what is it that they actually do want to target. It's the fastest way to do that actually talking to real human beings who get up in the morning every day, go do that job, you know, have to be in that in the highs and the lows and everything in between. So that's the first reason. The second reason you would do an informational chat is to do more company research. So when you're later in the interview stage, you're inevitably going to get the question, well, why do you want to work here at this particular company? I mean, you're going to hear that in every interview. Why do you want to work at this company in particular? And so what you want to do is by the time you're getting that question in the interview process, you want to have already talked to people who work at that company who have already shared with you what the culture is like, what the values are like, what kind of behaviors people engage in regularly, very specific nuggets of information about that company, about their culture, about how they work, so that you can actually pull that later in the interview process. And this is a big differentiator for you later when you're interviewing because It shows that the recruiting or hiring manager that you have done your research. You didn't just randomly apply or just, you know, Google the company mission statement. You actually talked to real people and you are making an informed decision about pursuing that company. It shows a lot of intentionality and preparedness. So sometimes you'll do uh, informational chats purely for this purpose. Let's say you have a company in mind and you think you're going to interview or want to interview soon with this company. You want to talk to someone who's at that company so that you can speak very intelligently about your reasons why you're pursuing this company. And then on the flip side, sometimes you'll actually uncover red flags that will make you realize, oh, maybe this isn't a company that's a fit for me. And so only human beings are going to be able to share those red flags. Like only human beings will be able to tell you, you know, actually, uh, we're working nights and weekends, just to give you an example. Um, And so that might be something that you're not interested in doing. And it might help you actually eliminate a company that you thought was really great. But then once you actually talk to someone, you realize there were some things you didn't like. So it actually can benefit you as well. So that you make sure that you're applying to companies and organizations that make sense for you. The last reason and most popular reason that people do informational chats is to network with someone to hopefully get a referral for a job application. And so people typically do these informational chats when they are ready to jump into an application process. So they know their target role, their resume is ready to go at any point, they can send it out, it's ready to be looked at. Maybe they've already been applying to jobs. You should know if this is you. If this is the reason why you're having a conversation with someone is you're intentionally networking to build a relationship with someone in hopes that they can help you and potentially refer you to a job. I want to make it really clear just from the get-go, you will never be asking someone directly for a referral. Let me say that again. You will never ask someone directly for a referral or for a job. I mean, that should almost go without saying, but sometimes there are um, audience members that are coming from different 
cultural backgrounds. My audience is primarily in the US. And I would say that culturally, that feels very much like being backed into a corner and is very off-putting to have someone who you don't know very well reaching out, asking you to refer them or send them a job like that's that is a no-go um when I've gotten that question before it hasn't happened often but when it does I just it shows me that you lack tact and I don't know that I want to refer someone who lacks tact right so read the room um if it's your friend your close friend or family that's a different conversation go ahead and ask them for a referral but when you are talking to people who you don't know that well on the internet uh no you the, the point really is to build a relationship without expectations you want to build a relationship without expectations so don't go into these conversations expecting anything because no one owes you anything like if someone is taking time out of their day to talk to you and they're employed you need that conversation more than they do. So don't go in expecting something that just doesn't make sense, right? And so you always want to have an uh, attitude of gratitude when it comes to these conversations. You're, you're really seeking to learn. You're, you're listening a lot. You're not talking very much in these conversations. And you're building a relationship. So when I say networking for a, a referral, don't think that that means you're asking explicitly for a referral or that you should even walk into the conversation expecting a referral. That is not the case. It's really just a term for conversations that you're having with people, hoping to build relationships and hoping to essentially build an advocate, someone who can would be willing to help you in your career change process. Okay, so to summarize what I just went through, the reasons why you should conduct them is You learn more about what you do or don't want to do in your target role. It allows you to get excited about a company or a role and really make that decision with confidence. You're able to build relationships with people who can become advocates. They can offer to refer you or to connect you with someone else that could help you. They can give you insider tips that can give you an edge or help you be differentiate yourself in the process. They talk about the culture and give you little nuggets that you can later use in the interview process in the future to make the case that you've really done your research and you know that this is a great fit for you. It also helps you become more fluent in talking a little bit about yourself when you introduce yourself. It helps you prepare for interviews in the future and it does make interviews in the future a lot easier because I know a lot of people do feel nervous and awkward and anxious having these conversations, but I mean, how do you think you're gonna feel in the actual interview room if you're in front of a panel of five, six people, right? Like that can also be nerve wracking. So practicing having one-on-one conversations is actually great practice. It'll help you get used to doing them because at first, yes, it will feel awkward, obviously. Um, that's just that's just part of the game. Like that's just how it goes. Over time, as you do more, you will get way more comfortable with them. And like I mentioned in the next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about how to prepare for those and how to ease your nerves and how to come in with a game plan so that you're not feeling like, wow, I don't know what to do here. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about who do you actually target? Like what kind of people are you trying to have conversations with? So one of the most important attributes in someone who you'd want to talk to is that they are functionally relevant to you. So functionally relevant people means that they are currently working in the function that you're interested in. So if you're interested in HR roles, 
You should be targeting talking to people who work in HR. You should not be trying to talk to someone who's in legal or in finance. Like they really don't know a lot about what's going on in HR and they are not able to give you very meaningful information about opportunities in that function. So please only target functionally relevant people when you are looking for folks to connect with. Also fellow alumni. So these can be fellow alumni from your graduate program, college, university program, any meaningful programs other than school that you've been involved in. So for example, I was involved in Teach for America. And so alumni of the Teach for America program are really great people for me to connect with because we have something in common that is meaningful. Two-year commitment of teaching in underserved communities, not everyone signs up for that. So it's very meaningful to me when I have a TFA alum reach out to me. I I always say yes to them because (laughs) I know what it was like to be a teacher and to be in the struggle. And so I'm always down to help them. And that commonality is important. You're way more compelled to answer someone on the internet who wants to talk to you if you have something meaningful in common, especially if you went to a small liberal arts college or a small college, definitely leverage that because people do feel very compelled to answer those requests when they have something meaningful in common with you. So think through anything you've been involved in and think through fellow alumni of those programs. You also want to try to target people that are one to two levels above where you would start. So people who are maybe more junior to you or even at the same level are not as helpful as people who are maybe one to two levels above. And that's just because like they're the ones that know a little bit more about opportunities that exist, how to get in the company, how to succeed at the company. I wouldn't go much higher than that. You also want to target people who have done well at that company where they are in the organization. So they've been internally promoted and um, have shown that they have been successful there. Those are great people to target. You don't necessarily want to target someone who just started or they haven't yet been promoted. You want to talk to people who can give you meaningful information about where they work and the kind of work that they've done. So how do you start doing them? You want to start with your own personal network and friends. And I always tell my clients, one of the first things we do is I ask them to send a personal email to their close friends and past colleagues, people that they trust. Um, And I coach my clients to let their network know, their personal network know that they are looking for opportunities and asking them to think through any close connections that they have that they could introduce them to for informational chats. So that's one way to do it. Another way, of course, is building out your LinkedIn networking. So please go back to episode 59. If you haven't listened to that, I talk in depth about how to build out your LinkedIn network. What are the basic things that you should be doing on LinkedIn to build out your network so that you can reach at least 500 contacts and you can begin to see weak ties? So these are second to third degree connections that you can connect with. These are potential informational chat people. And I also in that episode talk about LinkedIn groups and how LinkedIn groups are a hack because when you join LinkedIn groups, you can automatically message 
anyone in that LinkedIn group. So please go back to that episode if you haven't so that you can refresh and review, you know, how to build out those contacts on LinkedIn because these are the people that you're going to be reaching out to. So how do you actually reach out to them? So I'm going to borrow an amazing piece of advice, which is from Steve Dalton's The Two-Hour Job Search, the perfect networking email and the perfect email to ask for an informational chat. It's called a six-point email. And these are the six points. Number one, it should be 75 words or less. People don't have a lot of time, okay? They're quickly skimming. Get to the point. We don't need like your whole life story. We just don't need that. Like just get to the point. People need to quickly know what it is that you're asking for. 75 words or less. Number two, you are asking for insights or advice. You are not mentioning jobs. Like back to my earlier point, we're like, you know, we're not asking for jobs. We're not asking for referrals. We are asking for insights and advice. And we have that in the subject or the body. Number three, your connection So the thing that you have in common goes first. So if you went to the same school, you're going to mention that immediately in the first sentence. That catches people's attention. Number four, make your request in form of a question. So you want to end with a question, like make that clear. Number five, define your interest both narrowly and broadly. I'll show you what that looks like in a second. Number six, keep over half the word count about them, not you. Okay, like, again, this is not about you. This is about them. Like you're trying to show that you're interested in them. I'm going to read you an example of a six point email. Hi, Patricia. I'm Andrew, a fellow member of the EdTech LinkedIn group. May I have a few minutes to ask you about your sales experience at EdInspire Learning? Your insight would be greatly appreciated since I'm now in the process of deciding whether to apply for your open business development position. Best regards, Andrew. Boom. It's done. That's it. Got to the point. Concise. We're immediately telling them what we have in common. We're asking for something that's clear. We're asking for their insight. And you're defining your interests both narrowly and broadly. So narrowly, Andrew is sharing that he's trying to decide whether to apply, you know, for a specific role, but he's also showing broadly that he's interested in ed tech, right? And so you want to show that. Now, one thing I do want to say that I think is really important is that response rates for these tend to be low. People are busy. They have stuff going on, especially employed people, like often don't even check or update their LinkedIn's, okay? So don't take this personal if you don't hear back. This is just part of the deal. You have to have a thick skin during the job search process and not take any of this personal. You know, no responses are 100% just part of the deal. Some people will respond, and if they do, you'll want to quickly respond back and, you know, share your availability, ask for their availability. You want to cater to them as much as possible and and work around their schedule. Assume that it's going to be a a phone conversation. There's a couple of reasons why I recommend this. It's just lower stakes, especially in this pandemic, post-pandemic world. Nobody's trying to get on a Zoom, especially no, no one's trying to get on a video. Like people are just trying to quickly talk to you. So make it as easy as possible for them by making this a phone conversation and assume that it, this is going to be a 25 to 30 minute conversation. The last thing here before I end today's episode and again, come back for next week because I will talk about how to prepare for one once someone says yes and how to actually do one. Um, 
Steve Dalton in in the two hour job search, he talks about how there's three types of people who respond to your informational chats. The first one is the curmudgeon. I I probably can't say that word right. Curmudgeon, someone who's kind of like a Scrooge, right? They're not willing to help you. These are the people that you're just never going to hear from. Like they're never going to respond. And that's okay. The second is the obligate, which is Steve says is the most dangerous one. Obligate is someone who feels obligated to respond to you. So they do it out of guilt. And so these people you do have to be aware of a little bit because they end up wasting your time. So they'll say yes and then no. So they'll say like, sure, I'll talk to you. And then they ghost you or they cancel the meeting or they reschedule the meeting. And so if that's happening, then you can tell right away this person is an obligate. They just felt like they had to say yes for some reason, but really they don't want to talk to me. They don't want to help me. So just beware for those little flags. And again, don't take it personal. Expect this. Expect that this is going to happen. The last category is the booster. So the booster is the person who is who says yes. They're excited to get on the phone with you. They spend time with you. They're very generous with their time and what they share. And what's really cool about the booster is that, you know, you don't get a lot of them, but when you do, they're extraordinarily helpful, disproportionately helpful. And so you want to take advantage of that. And of course, always have an attitude of gratitude. Um, You know, I've been guilty of all three of these. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to keep it real. There's been times when I just don't respond to someone and it, it might be because I just literally have no idea who you are and maybe the way you approached me I didn't like and so I've been someone who hasn't helped someone before there's been times that I've been an obligate and like there's been times when like I am really busy and I just really don't have time one time many years ago I was like can you just email me your questions and it 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 really was like I wanted to help but I just at that time in my life I was just I was so overwhelmed that I was like I really just can't get on a call right now Um, and then I have been a booster for many people as well. I I love helping people. As you all know, (laughs) I love helping people with their careers. So I've also, I also am a booster at times. So I say this to normalize that you could be the one of these at any different time in your life, just depending like people have lives, people have whole lives. So when you're emailing someone asking them for their time, just expect that there will be lots of curmudgeons, lots of obligates and a few boosters, but it is 100% worth it to engage in this process to get to the boosters because they will help you through your process and your journey. Okay, that is all I have for today. Tune in next week. We're going to get into the nitty gritty, how to prepare for an informational chat, how to conduct one successfully, the etiquette, how to get through the small talk. If you're someone who gets nervous or you're like, this is so awkward and uncomfortable, don't miss next week's episode. All right, y'all have a beautiful week. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.